brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, uh, we're going to be doing our show on widow recovery today. Um, You know, a widow is a woman whose spouse has died, but also a widower is a man whose spouse has died. And, uh, you know, this state of losing somebody, especially if it's a long-term relationship or you've been married for a long time, it can be very stressful. It can can actually uh, create death for the partner who lost someone because that trauma that they go through, it changes their body, it changes their white blood cell count, it changes a whole lot of things for them and they have a lot of trouble dealing with it. And in counseling, I've seen quite a few people going through the trauma of uh, being widowed. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes they're quite happy, um, which is sad, but (laughs) sometimes people are glad and and for different reasons. Um, It may be that the marriage wasn't good. It may be that that their partner had a long-term illness and it was a relief that they were no longer in pain. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that 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 happens. But this the process uh, of losing a spouse is is considered one of life's most stressful experiences. And this is especially true for women who are not always uh, encouraged to develop financial and emotional independence when their spouses are alive. And as a result, widows must deal with normal grief and loneliness, and they also may have frightening doubts about financial security, their ability to function on their own. However, once these issues are dealt with successfully, widowhood can actually mark the beginning of a highly rewarding and satisfying chapter in a person's life. So, you know, the key is is uh, learning to see widowhood not as the end of your life, but as a time to achieve personal goals that you'd previously neglected. And, you know, you have to look at the grief process. Mourning a loved one is an intensely painful process, but it is a process. The pain eventually resides. Uh, it doesn't go away. You don't forget, but, but it eventually tones down and makes room for a, a new, satisfying way of life sometimes. And the grief process includes stages such as um, shock, which is the initial reaction, which may involve a numbness and a disbelief as well as overwhelming sadness. Then there's uh, emotional expression. You know, once the initial paralysis is worn off, the bereaved person may need to cry for hours on end and talk about the loss to whoever they will that will listen to them. And then the next stage oftentimes is acceptance and adjustment. You know, this is when the widow begins to face the fact that their partner is no longer in their life and they reassess their personal goals, their values. And they start to think about the changes that they need to make now that they're on their own. And then there's the rebuilding phase. And they slowly begin to nourish new interests, new friendships, and realize that life can still be enjoyable and fulfilling. Now, there's traps uh, that that take place in the grieving process. From personal experience and and my practice, I've concluded that, that Mourning takes at least four seasons, if not three years, and that's the heavy mourning. Now, not that mourning doesn't take place on and on and on, but, uh, you know, many of the memories that are brought up 
can intensify the sense of loss and reopen the wounds of the grieving. And so sometimes that process by by uh, driving by something that was familiar with them as a couple or, you know, speaking uh, to someone about a certain incident or bringing up a memory, all of these things can cause uh, intense uh feelings that basically won't go away. And so the grieving process is all about healing and then rehealing and rehealing and it, it's it's a never ending battle, quite frankly. All right. Now let's look at the traps to the grieving process. Uh, one is continued weight loss. Oftentimes people that are in that grieving state will have weight loss and that uh, can be dramatic and that can also take their health down because once again if you're losing weight at an intensely fast time period what's going to happen is your your white blood cell count is going to go down your immunities go down and there is a, a, a good chance that you're going to get sick if not die. Uh, also sleep problems and these are things that have to get handled if you're in a grieving process sleep problems will often take place uh, because when you're sleeping and you awake you're still thinking your partner's there and they're not and so also the idea that they may be there as a ghost or they may be there in spirit or whatever people will often go through that sleep problem uh, phase in the grieving process and that is a great challenge um, also, the inability to stay alone. A lot of people don't want to be alone, and so it's natural in that grieving process that they're not alone, but the problem is is that they need to learn how to be alone uh, in order to get to know who they are uh, now that the, the relationship is over. Um, there's another trap that's involved in this process, and that is uh, the chronic feelings of fear or uh, desperation. And this is normal, but you don't want to get too caught up in this. And that's why having some people that you can fall back on is very, very important. Uh, the inability to stay alone we talked about, but the reversion to a, a childish state. Many times people, after they've lost their spouse, go into a very childish uh, state. A younger widow may move back in with their parents or may not want to leave. Uh, many times people get into the trap after the grieving process of not being able to make decisions or making a series of bad decisions because concentration is so bad during this time. And there, there's also oftentimes another trap where they're unwilling to talk about anything but the loss. And that means that they're not going to move on. So let's look at some facts about uh, about widowhood. And losing a husband or a wife, once again, is devastating. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of us will have to face that. About 40% of women and 13% of men. And, and by the way, we, we don't want to neglect uh, people that are homosexual and that kind of stuff because they have the same process too. But if we're going to look just at, uh, at, at from a heterosexual perspective, that we have more statistics on that. So that's kind of where we're going here. But about 40% of women and 13% of men who are 65 and older are widowed. And uh, according to the, that's according to the latest census, by the way. And until recently, very little uh, sound research existed about how we live on after a loved one has died. But in the past decade, social scientists, uh, uh, with a very unprecedented process of looking at large groups of widows and widowers, they come to some really good truths, and those have been published. Number one is we oscillate. For years, we've been told that grief comes in five stages, like I just went through, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But if you look at those stages, the emotional trajectory would look something like a, a, 
a W because basically you're going to go through lows and highs, lows and highs, and each of those phases weaves in and out uh, of your emotional state. Now, here's something that's interesting about emotions. Emotions can only last about three minutes long unless you feed them with a thought. And the problem is people that grieve all of a sudden go through memories and the fear of abandonment, fear of being alone, all these things. And so when they have a feeling, a, a strong feeling, they enhance it by thoughts and they just keep throwing thoughts on it and thoughts on it. And what happens is you draw that emotion out and make it stronger. Adding three minutes to every time you have a thought is fueling that emotion. If you just sit with an emotion and just accept the fact that it came and stop looking at why it came, and just let it move through you, it doesn't have the energy to last more than three minutes. And so if you are in a grieving process, what is important is to understand that you're going to have lots of feelings and let them take their place, but let them run their course without feeding them. That is one of the best ways to get through uh, uh, grieving because there's a lot of rapid cycling of emotions that takes place. You know, it, it, grief is not forever. One of the most important findings that they, they found is shown that most of us, uh, grief is severe, but self-limiting and, and is it's not a permanent state. In one study, older men and women who had lost spouses, um, and this was at Columbia University, that the, the core symptoms of grief, anxiety, depression, shock, intrusive thoughts, lift generally for most people by about six months. And about uh, for and that means that it's down about 50 percent. And that doesn't mean that you're trying to forget the person that you've lost. What you want to focus on is the memories that that person had. And if you think about the meaning of life, life is about memories, making memories. And the more memories you make, the more significant your life is. And so lots of people neglect to make memories together and that can be very hard but those memories are your legacy that's how your life lives on is by the memories that you make with someone you love also loss is very hard for men uh, for years clinicians have been operating under the assumption that women grieve harder and longer than men but in 2001 a study was was conducted by a husband and wife team uh, they were called the strobes, and they decided to examine uh, all the existing research and came to the surprising conclusion that after talking to a higher, uh, after talking, taking into account a higher rate of depression in the overall female population, men actually suffer more from being bereaved. And we might be under the impression that widows despair more, but but that's because there are many more widows to observe. Also, you don't necessarily need counseling. You know, when you are grieving and when you've lost someone, often well-meaning friends and relatives will urge you to attend a support group or go see a grief counselor. Although taking those kind of steps might make you feel better, it's certainly not a requirement for healing. It's oftentimes better that if you that you go to people you know and your friends and the people that knew the partner that you've lost. Also, humor. Humor heals. And, and if you think about it, seeking humor after while you're grieving is a beautiful escape from your past and from what you've lost, the person that you've lost. And, and being able to laugh is a part of healing. And so it's important to give yourself a chance to laugh if that's going to a, a, a comedian show or if that's uh, actually, you know, creating humor in your life. That's a great thing to do. 
the other vulnerability about the grieving process is all of a sudden you're thrown in to make a lot of financial decisions. You know, there's certain actions that you have to take to ensure your mm-hmm. current financial security, uh, several major decisions and uh, long-term consequences uh, can take place. And you're not in the best state of mind at that point. And so, you know, if your spouse primarily handled the finances and you're not set up to task to do that, you need to ask somebody you trust, a relative or a friend to help you sort out this kind of information. You want to gather legal and financial documents that will give a better sense of where you stand, including wills, trust, powers of attorney, mortgage, car title, tax returns, bank, loan, credit card statements, safe deposit box contents, insurance plans, income sources. All of these things need to be examined. Also, you want to compile outstanding bills and and monitor due dates because you have to get familiar with that stuff because you want to avoid late charges or penalties for utilities or mortgage or rent or health or auto, homeowners, insurance, premiums, cars, uh, student loans, personal loans. All of those things need to be gathered up in this process. Now, if your spouse was still working, you also want to contact their employer regarding unpaid salary, benefits, life insurance, and retirement accounts. It's particularly important if they provide your health insurance. You know, other critical actions to take within the month or two include uh, contact uh, companies where you've joined accounts and convert them to your name only. Also, uh, close any accounts that were in their name. And if your spouse was eligible for Social Security, your and your children may qualify for survival benefits. And all you have to do is go to www.ssa.gov and they will be happy to assist you. Also, if your spouse was a veteran, you want to contact the VA regarding possible survivor benefits. Also, you want to pay attention to income tax filing dates, particularly if you file quarterly uh, estimated taxes. While the IRS may waive penalties on a late filing or underpay or or, uh, underpayment related to your spouse's death, you're still responsible for any taxes and interest owed. And a lot of people don't think that, but th- the truth is you still have to pay those bills. You, um, you also don't, during this process of grieving immediately, you don't want to make irreversible financial decisions until you've had a chance to ad- adjust your new status. You know, for example, some people rush to pay off their mortgage only to discover later that the house was too large and they can't afford the taxes or the upkeep. And so others feel pressured to move closer to family members only to discover that they miss their former life. And so making these big, harsh choices during the initial grieving process is never a great idea. You know, uh, you also want some other long-range planning suggestions. Uh, Rewrite your will and other documents that outline how you'd like your financial and health matters to be handled if you were to die or become disabled or become seriously ill. And until you have a better handle on your new living expenses, live frugally, especially if you're used to having two incomes. And that's just some advice in that first part. Now, there are differences in men and women and and, and, and how to be a friend to them. Uh, there's uh, it's not so much that men and women have different ways of grieving it's that everyone grieves differently and so grief is an individual journey but but research studies show that grief can be influenced by demographic um, factors like gender age physical health employment children and 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 more that can uh, bring their similarities between um, uh, men and women based on those factors but uh, 
you know, because some individuals choose not to talk about their feelings does not mean that they don't feel, but rather they don't have the words to express their feeling in the face of a tragedy or they don't have the need to do so. So for some, the event is beyond words or expression and is felt deeply. And this must not be misconstrued as being cold or unfeeling. The, the person may not be ready to live with the reality once it's expressly there. And so the truth is some people don't need to talk about it when they're grieving. Some people are what are called ruminators. And so they just ruminate in their own head about their process and carry on a, a dialogue. But if you want to be a friend to someone that is grieving, you want to be there and you want to listen. And that means don't interject and don't try to talk over them. You want to be a good listener. And that means you validate. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. That is what you want to be there. If you're going to be there, don't be a person that's going to talk over the widow or or widow. And you want to also be present. Don't just sit there and glance off. And, and, you know, when someone's going through that state, you really need to give them your full attention. And, and you, you want to listen to their confusion. You want to listen to their heartbreak. You want to listen to their fear and so many other feelings that accompany grief. You know, listen to the stories about the lost loved one. It's one of the most caring and compassionate things you could possibly do is be there for a widow or a widower. And, and But that listening part is important. And if you are not a good listener, then don't do it because you're going to do more damage then you are going to do good. You also want to accept that there are many similar ways widows and widowers process their sorrow. You know, it's true, especially when it comes to the need for private space, both emotional and physical. Even if you think there is a masculine way or a feminine way to grieve and to heal, don't pigeonhole people into either of these models of of healing. Everybody grieves different. Don't label them. Also, if you're going to be a friend to somebody that's grieving, you want to understand that different people have different ways of coping with loss and it has nothing to do with their gender. Some will dig dig holes, some will redo the bathroom floor, some will tear out a wall, hike the highest mountain. They do any type of physical labor or activity to redirect their grief. And so it's important to understand that. Also, if you are going to be a friend to them, offer support and encouragement. But you have to be patient with that person if you're going to support somebody that's grieving. You also want to encourage them to deal with their grief in healthy ways and not to hide it. Unresolved grief can lead to deep, 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 deep depression. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about being a widow with kids, how kids can be dealt with in that, tips for dating as a widow, and on and on and on. Come back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. 
inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about widow recovery and widower recovery. And, you know, if you're going to be a friend, uh, there's some things you don't want to do if you know somebody that's grieving. Uh, one is you don't want to overgeneralize. There, there are uh, detectable male patterns of grief, but there is no cookbook engraved on tablets of stone that anyone's going to follow. And so you need to uh, understand that you don't want to label somebody and how how they grieve because everybody's going to do it different. And also another thing is you don't want to expect tears because sometimes a person grieving probably has cried, but when they were alone and yes, it's okay to cry, but it's also okay to not cry. And it's okay to cry with no one close by, you know, and, and another thing as a friend, you, you, you don't want to point out that someone widowed is wearing a mask to hide their grief and pain, you know, throughout our lives, all of us wear masks at one time or another to give the impression that we're fine or brave. But people know when they're hiding things from others and keeping things bottled up inside. And it takes time to take off that mask. And so you don't want to attack them for holding in their feelings because they're going to process in their own way. The, the other thing is um, you don't want to ask a whole bunch of questions. You know, you want to share how you feel instead and, and let the bereaved person uh, share when they're ready. And sometimes silence is a beautiful thing. You know, just being with them is wonderful. If you can do that, then lots of things happen, lots of good things. And so just being with them sometimes is what you want to do. Now, if you're a widow with kids, you want to surround your kids with adults who love them. And as the surviving parent, You're the most important adult in your child's life right now. But there are others who are willing to help you support and encourage your kids through that time. And their varied experiences with your loved one will help your kids see a broader, more well-rounded picture of the person that they were. So, number one, if you have kids, you want to create structure. Structure can be a huge source of comfort. Do what you can to stabilize your routines, including your kids' nightly bedtime routine, so that they'll have a general idea of what to expect from one moment to the next. Simple consistencies like serving meals at the at the same time each day can also help create a stable atmosphere even while your emotions uh, remain very turbulent. You also want to slow down. 
You may be tempted to throw yourself and your kids back in your normal routine, but doing things like returning to work and school as soon as possible, to some degree, this is helpful. However, you'll also want to take things slow and give your kids the freedom to opt out of social obligations or activities when they need some space. You also want to give your kids lots of choices. If you're going through the grieving process of losing a spouse, so much of what has already happened has been out of your kids' control. So make sure that you allow them to make their own choices when possible. And this may include simple decisions like what they wear or what they do in their spare time, within reason, of course. Also, you want to ask for what you need. Many many young widows or widowers are overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and support, which may show up in the form of more casserole dishes than you and your children can eat, but don't be afraid to let your friends and family know there is something else you need. If, if you'd prefer for them to, to spread out their generosity over a period of weeks or months, for example, you might say, I appreciate all your help. However, what I really need right now more than meals is for someone to take my kid to baseball practice on Thursdays. You know, it may just be that simple. And people want to know how they can help you if you're a widower. You know, so you want to also communicate your limitations. You know, you may find that you reach a point where you just need everyone to step back and give you some space. And this is natural. And it's perfectly okay to tell your friends and family how you feel. For example, you could say, I appreciate your calls, but I just don't like talking right now. Would you mind uh, trying me again in a week or so and let them know that you don't want them to back off permanently and you do appreciate their effort, but you do need to set boundaries. If people are overwhelming you, let them know how they're overwhelming you and what you really need. You also, if you have kids, you want to seek additional support. Consider, you know, seeking a counselor or attending a single parent support group for young widows through through your hospital or community center, church, whatever. Sometimes just talking to someone who doesn't already know you is a relief because it allows you to freely express yourself without the concern that being honest is going to cause others to worry about you even more. You also want to give yourself the freedom to make mistakes. And that's huge. You're not a perfect parent. None of us are. All we're entitled to have as parents is good enough. And so, you know, let yourself off the hook from the start and acknowledge that you're not going to get everything right, but you're going to get better over time and handling all of the things that are now your responsibility. It's called experiential learning. Also, you want to hold off on making huge decisions, as I spoke of earlier. You may be thinking about selling your house, moving closer to family, going back to school. While things you're thinking about right now may ultimately be the best decision for you and your kids, you should avoid making those big decisions for the first at least 6 to 12 months and give yourself time to adjust to your loss and be sure that the changes you're envisioning do indeed reflect the decisions that you really want to make. Because once again, sometimes you don't know who the heck you are until you settle down through this grieving process. Also, don't postpone grief. You know, many young widows and widowers fall into the trap of avoiding their feelings. Shelving their own grief is one of the worst things you can do right now. Grief is a process and you have to go through it. And don't hide it. You know, if your kids are around and they see you grieving, that's healthy. That means that they can grieve too. And so it's important that you all do that together, but you have to realize you're all going to do it differently. 
And so, you know, trying to control the process is going to slow down your progression and it's going to rob your children of the opportunity to see that they're experiencing uh, what they're experiencing isn't unusual and it's not insurmountable. Okay. Now, if you're thinking about dating as a widower or a widow, let yourself be complete and whole. You know, it's easy to jump right back into a new relationship, but if you want to attract a healthy relationship, it starts by you being healthy. You deserve the time to heal. So no matter how long it takes, six years after the death of a, of a husband or a wife, whatever it is, you have to allow yourself to heal. You also want to let the relationships you have be the transitions that they are. You know, if, if, if sex was involved, you may not take it beyond that. It's something else that you crave at that time. You may feel lonely and want companionship, so let it be that. Don't don't be too hasty to jump into a real relationship. You know, if you just want sex, go find it. You know, if you want to just casually date, go find it. But you want to communicate, hey, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is my limitations. You know, you want to be fair to the person that you're with also. You know, and, and you don't want to live by other people's rules, you know. Don't prescribe rules for yourself. Encourage yourself to find your own way. Only you know what's right for you, and, and that is all that you need to know. And you don't need to seek anyone's approval as far as what you're going to do. And you may make mistakes. You may make bad judgment calls, whatever, but allow yourself to do that because that's how you find your way, and that's how you find yourself. You also want to wait until you're ready. If you're going to date, if you're unsure how or when that is, you know, let your biological clock tell you, number one, but something will click and you'll just know. You just will. And if all else uh, fails, uh, you know, use toys. It's never a bad idea or masturbate. Whatever you got to do, don't be ashamed of yourself. You know, if you're not ready for a relationship, then let yourself please yourself and don't be embarrassed about it. Don't be ashamed of it because that's life. It's okay. You also want to give yourself permission to, to, to date and to have sex. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. And, and often you're dealing with guilt and feeling it like you're betraying the spouse that you lost. But, you know, this is part of the process of moving on. One way to heal is to acknowledge it and grant yourself permission to live your new life. And that's probably what your spouse would want for you. They'd want for you to move on. They'd want for you to live your life and be happy. And that may include sex with somebody or it may include sex with lots of different people. But that's just you exploring. And don't be ashamed of that. And don't take the role of a victim. You know, if you're if you take on the role of a victim... You know, you're going to be a big pity party, and that's not sexy. So if you're going to date, don't be a pity party. You know, be positive, be strong, and show them that you're moving on. And you, you shouldn't be dating also unless you feel ready to date. There's no time frame for grief, and we all process it differently in our own way, in our own time. And it could take months, it could take a year, it could take a few weeks. But, you know, you don't want to let others tell you when the right time has come. You just need to do that for yourself. Um, also, you want to date for the right reasons. Rather than making a rash decision, think what it is you want to start dating for. You know, it's not wrong to date because you're lonely or desire some company. Some people date for those reasons, and there's nothing wrong with that. You're not necessarily looking for a new relationship sometimes. And, you know, dating is a very simple thing If as you're going through grieving. You know, you just want to 
go for coffee. Don't plan some long evening with somebody you don't know. Go for coffee. Get to know each other. See if see if you're attracted. You know, you don't have to make it a big Broadway production to date. Also, uh, if you're going to date, you want to be yourself. And this may be hard because you feel that you've lost part of your identity when your spouse died. But, but trying to hide, it will only make dating awkward and miserable. So, you know, be who you are in the grieving process that you're in. And there's nothing wrong with that. Also, feeling guilty is normal. To begin with, if you're going to date somebody else, that guilt that you're going to feel is, is going to be there, but that's not necessarily where you want to reside. You have to move on with your life, and, and you want to think of the future, not the past. It's also important to remember all those great memories with your partner, but you're going to be reshaping your future and making new choices. Don't judge yourself harshly on those choices during that grieving process. It's important to... Uh, Try to replace. Uh, don't try to replace your ex. It's important not to look for somebody that is just like them, because replacing them, that person is just going to be a replacement. They're not going to be the person that they are, and so just looking for somebody uh, to replace your ex, which is oftentimes done by a lot of people is always uh, more often a a big mistake because bad judgment calls, uh, if you don't know somebody very well, can can really uh, mess up your life and cloud your life, especially if you really don't know who you are and what you really like. You know, don't overdo it also. If you're going to date, don't overdo it. Now, if you're going to date a widow, uh, you have to think dating a widow is way different than like a divorcee. Divorcees didn't have a happy marriage, otherwise they'd still be married. And widows may have had a happy marriage. At least they may only remember the happier times. Also, divorcees have spouses who are regularly involved in their children's lives. So the spouse helps with the decisions about the kids, attends the sporting events, theater performances, weddings. But widows don't have co-parents to rely on, so they don't have to listen to their opinions on child-rearing. Also, divorcees uh, get a break from parenting if they've shared custody, but widows have a full-time parenting gig. And so that's something you always want to consider. And usually the kids are the center of their lives. Also, divorcees may get some ongoing financial support for the children and alimony payments, but widows may have inherited uh, life insurance, but it's typically a one-time payment. Also, uh, divorcees may have hostility towards the ex and perhaps the entire female or male population, but widows generally have a favorable opinion about the opposite sex. Also, divorcees may feel uh, relieved to be single again and eager to jump back into the dating and the sex, but widows may feel abandoned by the death of their spouse and reluctant to try new relationships. So they may feel guilty for being disloyal or or, or, uh, to the deceased person. And also, divorcees have to deal with an ex who may have been a pain in the ass. And widows don't come with X-factor baggage. You know, uh, also, divorcees may compare the new person with the ex. And so, the new partner may feel the need to prove that they're different than the ex. And widows will talk about their deceased spouse. And this can be very annoying if you're dating somebody who is a widower. Also, divorcees likely didn't have the best sex life towards the end of the marriage. And they may be excited to be with someone who enjoys sex and wants to be intimate again. But widows in happy marriages may have had a decent sex life and want to have it again. 
So once again, motives are entirely different for a widow versus a divorcee. Now, if you're marrying a widower, marrying a widower and making the most of your relationships with all the, the worries and the hardships, you really need to understand how to overcome it. If you're going to marry a widower, embrace the past and don't hide or run from it. That means you have to be grown up. You have to be mature. You know, ignoring that somebody's grief will not stop it. Nothing will. So they most likely will forever grieve the loss of their partner. And you have to be able to accept that. You're not in competition with that partner. You're an entirely different person. So living in uh, the denial of the grief will only prolong your spouse's grief recovery. And it's better to allow them opportunities to talk about their grief journey. Also, it's, it's better to have a relationship where you, too, can talk openly and honestly about your issues regarding the grief and their past and how they both make you feel about your marriage. Also, uh, you also want to accept that your marriage will be one of three hearts. And, and what I mean by that, and that, that's, that's a, a quote from a book that I, I, I've read. It's called Dating a Widower. But, you know, it, it's, it's not easy. To share a person's heart with another person. But in a marriage, a widower, that is precisely what you have to live with. That means you're going to be talking about that person that's passed away and that love that exists for that person is going to be there and that's going to be hurtful because it's going to seem like you're in competition with somebody that's dead and how can you compete with that? But, you know, they... You have to realize that if a widower chooses to marry you, they're choosing to marry you and because they love you and they want to be with you. They're choosing to marry you and you guys are going to make your own memories and those memories will live on beyond you. You know, also, if you're going to be with a widower, don't let pettiness over material possessions get you off on the wrong foot. It is so important that if you battle with insecurities about whether or not your partner does or or will ever love you as much as they love their their late spouse, then resenting their pictures and their personal possessions from their marriage in your house may seem like an important point for you, but you have to deal with this problem by blending your two lives together, which means that it may be that some of the things that came from the past in their marriage comes into your home and they may go away over time, but the deal is those may be a comfort to the widower and you don't want to be in competition with that. So, you know, if you're going to heal is, is communicate and compromise. Both of you communicate and compromise. You know, possessions are just possessions. Some people have attachment to possessions, and that's fine. If that is a memory that is important to them, allow it to be so. Also, if you're going to be with a widower, don't dwell on the past or let it feed your insecurities. Focus on your life, focus on the moments in the now, and focus on your future. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to talk about marrying a widower and uh, when a a widow uh, parent remarries. Come back. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about widow recovery. And uh, right now, in particular, we're talking about if you're going to marry a widower, there's some things that you really need to take account of. You want to be selfless and gracious enough to accommodate grief-related episodes as they occur. You cannot love a widow uh, or a widower enough to make them forget their late spouse. You know, time is a healer, and along every grief journey, sadness turns to joy at some point. However, do not be fooled into thinking that your partner's, uh, your fiancé's wife or husband's death anniversary is not going to be felt. They will feel it. And, And so you yourself and birthdays and holidays, all of these things are going to be, uh, probably not grief free and so you want to take that into account that you're going to be on that journey with them and they may be willing to uh, unwilling to share those feelings with you on these special occasions simply because they may be afraid of speaking of them and that that'll hurt your feelings and so these are times to boldly take the bull by the horns and graciously Offer your permission as well as your understanding, you know, lovingly remind them that you are aware of the significance of these dates when they occur and that you're available for listening when they wish to share their feelings. And also offer to go with them to the cemetery if that's what they desire. As painful as it may seem, joining your partner in this way can be soul cleansing to both of you and to your marriage because the opportunity is, is uh, for therapeutically honest communication that arises and it enhances your relationship and empowers the relationship when you both allow yourself to, to keep that process in place. You may even want to get advice from another uh, a widow or widower as they talk about what it's like to date and be with someone who has lost a spouse. Somebody, n- not meaning that somebody that's been in a relationship with a widow or widower. And also, You really want to set boundaries, but with gentleness and cooperation. You know, a marriage to a widower isn't all about their grief and tiptoeing gently around it. Your feelings matter, too, and and they deserve validation, no matter how petty, insensitive, and unrealistic the outside world may uh, find of your feelings. But your feelings are just as valid as theirs. And and, and many widowers and widows are hurt when their uh, 
partner refer to their late part, uh, partners as uh, their first husband or whatever, you know, but that's just simply talk. And so it's important to understand that they're going to refer to their first husband or wife um, in some conversations and don't be afraid of that. That does, That's not a bad thing. And also, if you're going to be with a widower or a widow, don't be afraid to seek out help should you find that your feelings are overwhelming. You know, go to counseling. Go to somebody that's a professional. Go to somebody who can give you from the outside in. And that may help you, and that may help you understand the process that you've got to go through and all the things that you need to take into account. But the most important thing, if you're going to be with a widower is or a widow, is to live in the present moment and welcome your future. You really want to work on what your memories are going to look like, and being fully present in the moment. Every day of life, you want to live and breathe. You want to take, you know, you want to take gifts from each other. You want to enjoy each other. You don't want to live in the past of being uh, the, the memories of the previous spouse that's passed away. Now, when a widow uh, parent remarries, chances are that 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 you know. In a two-parent family, a mom and a dad, you know, you may have went to a local school, away to college, married, had children of your own, and then tragedy strikes. And and maybe your mom uh, passes away, leaving your dad a a widower. Well, you know, they're going to mourn the loss and uh, still embrace memories of your mom, but they may meet someone and fall in love. And so if if you're going to be... uh, protective of your parent in that process, you're going to make an enemy of the person that they're going to date. So when they've decided, you know, that when it's parent, when your parent decides that they're going to transition into dating, you want to embrace that and be a part of it. You know, you, it could be that you've been very protective and especially caring since they became a widower and they're uncomfortable and you're probably very uncomfortable with someone else is taking over your role or, or perhaps this new person is assuming the role of your much-loved parent that passed away. So you may perceive that the new partner is competition uh, for your parent's time and may have difficulty thinking of your parent as a sexually active person, especially if your parent's involvement is with a younger woman or a younger man. So although the choice of, of, of a partner is solely that of your parent, you know, they will naturally be influenced by your opinion and your suggestions and your feelings and certainly your actions. You know, so be aware that the more accepting you are and the easier it will be for them to deal with the problems uh, intrinsic to uh, uh, blending and re-blending families. So you can lessen the pain of assimilating that process by not uh, being all over your parent for the choices that they're making when they decide to start dating again. And often there are financial or inheritance issues that can be sticky and, and try seeing things differently. Try to think of your new family members more as people to more people to love you and your family as an extended support system. The uh, other thing is, with a life of your own and different priorities than when you were younger, consider this really important to allow small things to fall by the wayside. So establish weekend visits, holiday meals, occasional celebrations, perhaps vacations uh, together. So, so what your parents' choice may not be ideal, but you want to be appreciative and, and someone who cares. Uh, and you also want to know that, hey, Someone love and loves and cares for my my parent, and that's an important thing, you know. And it may be different than the way you show love. 
So, you know, you do want to put yourself in your parents' shoes and consider how difficult it might be for them to be in an emotional tug-of-war between their new love and you. Um, You know, try to keep reminding yourself that your parent is an adult and has the right and smarts and chooses their new mate as they wish. Also, you don't want to put your parent in a position of having to choose between your love and their new partner. That's a horrible thing to put them through after they've gone through the death of a spouse. And then to put them through you abandoning them, that is very, very traumatic. You also don't want to discuss issues such as family inheritance uh, or, or your late parents' possessions or your feelings of being pushed aside by their new love when you're angry. Try to understand where your angry feelings are coming from so that you can calmly discuss your concerns and your caring. And you also, if your parent is going to remarry, you you want to keep the channels of communication open for discussion, dialogue, sharing of experiences, and, and you want to be a good listener and not necessarily always agreeing. You know, each party needs to be heard and wants to be understood. So, you know, the challenge lies in working it out in a way that is, is uh, respectful to family members and your parent's new partner. And so, you know, family harmony often only means relatively minor changes in long-held perceptions and entirely new perceptions that genuinely reflect your own maturity. And so, you know, it really calls for a lot. Now, if you're going to marry a widow that has children, you know, while dating a widow with with children can present its own set of challenges, particularly if... if, the passing of their spouse was recent or unexpected, it is still possible to develop a warm and fulfilling relationship. But you want to keep in mind that dating a widower can require a lot of patience, a lot of understanding, and a lot of willingness to allow them space to express their feelings. So, you know, take it slow. If you're going to marry a widower with kids, even if your new love interest is made ample time to grieve the loss of their spouse, their children may still be dealing with the loss of their parent. And they may be trying to help, uh, you know, they, they, the parent that you're, the widower that you are marrying or the widow that you're marrying may still be trying to help them deal with their pain. So you try to involve yourself in their lives too quickly, but not too aggressive. And, and you may have adverse reactions of pushing you away because uh, the kids may be coping with their own feelings and their sense of you being a replacement for their 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 uh, former parent or their parent that they've lost. And so you want to be very patient. So if you sense that your partner needs time alone, give them that time. If children need time alone, give them that time. So you want to be very uh, uh, sensitive to their feelings. Also, you know, you want to put the ball in their court. Give your new partner the freedom to dictate how the relationship will uh, progress, including when and how you will interact with their children. Even if adult children may need time to adjust to the idea of their, their you know, widowed uh, uh, parent dating after the loss, uh, you know, you have to understand that they're going to have a process around you if you're going to interject yourself into their life. So you want to allow your partner and their children to grieve. And, and mourning is not an illness from, from which they can't recover. It's a process and it impacts individuals for the rest of their lives. So you want to let your partner and your children know that they can talk about the deceased spouse and their feelings about concerning their passing and, and be a good listener. And that's all you're required to do. What does a good listener do? They
they validate. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. Don't interject your own memories into that. Allow them to reflect and allow them to vent out. You also um, want to strive to fill a new role in their lives of, of your partner and their children. Instead of attempting to replace the partner that they lost, what you want to do is create new memories and new routines. Uh, you may never, uh, you know, cook a cook a certain way like a spouse did or you may not uh, read stories to them like uh, their the, the former spouse did but you can focus on your talents and your positive things that you bring to their life and these positive things may be things that are very foreign to them but are also very healthy for them and so you want to bring those good things about your personality into their life don't try to replace their their uh, parent that they've lost you know there's all kinds of resources that uh, are available for widows. Um, there are uh, websites that you can go to, and I'm going to mention a few of theirs. There's griefnet.org. Uh, there's a dating website that is called meetup.com. Uh, there's a thing called Soaring Spirits, and there's the, the Widowhood. And that's uh, the lady named uh, Catherine Todd. Her goal was to create a site, was to make a place where they can log in at any time, day, and get support from people who know the daily struggles of widowhood. And so that's a really, uh, it's called widowhood, the widowhood, W-I-D-D-A-H-O-O-D. Also, Social Security Administration has some wonderful uh, support for people that actually, uh, as far as learning about the financials, learning about the process of what you have to do once somebody has passed. Um, there's also a National Widowers Association, and, and this organization educates uh, the public about the special needs of, uh, of, of men who have lost their spouse or life partner. And so they basically uh, uh, focus on the men, the widowers, in that process. Also, there is the uh, Liz uh, Logalin Foundation, and her last name is spelled L-O-G-E-L-I-N. And this is formed to honor a, a young mother who has died and awards financial gra- grants to young uh, widowers in need. And so it's very helpful uh, for people that are widowed. Uh, also, there's a, a website called Acts of simple kindness and this provides grants to help children who have lost a parent and continue uh, so they can continue with their own extracurricular activities. Also there's w.connection w. and open to hope. These are really good websites that you can go to as resources to help you with your grieving and to help you with the recovery and help you with starting your new life over again. So once again, let's go through the process of what a griddle, uh, uh, the feelings that a, a widow is going to go through. They're going to go through shock. They're going to go through confusion. They're going to go through denial. They're going to go through bargaining. They're going to go through anxiety. They're going to have anger. They're going to have guilt for moving on. They're going to have depression. They're going to have a sense of vulnerability. And they're going to have loneliness. And... and some widowers actually get cocky, and, and this can uh, risk. Uh, this this can lead to short-term risk-taking, but it may not last. So, if you're overconfident after a loss, you know, take a deep breath and think carefully before taking actions. You know, 
with widowhood, you have to accept your situation. All right. That's our show. Our next show is Cognitive Dissonance, which is our inner hypocrite. That means that our actions and our words don't always go together. What we represent ourselves to be and what we really are may actually be different. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. My email is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, there was a a no trespassing sign in Houston that read, if you want to know if there is life after death, trespass here and find out. (laughs) And how would you respond to a balloon that reads, blow me? Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 